welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about Ellen's number one fan, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Joining us to discuss this bewildering book talk sensation is Vanessa, host of Hot and Bothered, which this season is live from Pemberley discussing Pride and Prejudice. Hello, Vanessa. Hi. Thanks for having me to discuss this book. This book. Okay. (laughs) This book, first of all, so many content warnings, um, mentions of suicide, domestic violence, death of a child, gun violence. Attempted rape. Oh, yeah. Attempted rape. Um, Just everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we need a content warning for homelessness but i do think we need a content warning for the way that homelessness is handled in this book yes yes content warning for carelessness yes that's what it is Thank there you. we go <laughs> ding 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 uh, okay this book by the way to come off of nora roberts month and then yes! where where nora is so good at like creating these like three-dimensional characters that you just like fully believe in these people and then to come into this world of like cartoon wikipedia entries was like so jarring but at the same time in the context of worst bestsellers it really felt to me like as if I were a skilled neurosurgeon who had just completed <laughs> an 18-hour surgery and I was like, wow, like, this is why I got into this. Like, this is why I do what I do. <laughs> All the training has been worth it. Yes. <sighs> this book, peak worst bestsellers. This is when I have to tell you about Colleen Hoover's writing style. So this is what she says. Sorry, not style, writing process. Mm. So as she tells it, she has ADHD. And so when she gets bored with the scene, she just stops writing that scene and starts writing the next scene and maybe doesn't go back to finish the other scene. No, seriously, this is what she says. And so that is why this reads as like some scenes just stopping and some characters just not being developed because she's like, do you know what? I'm bored now and stops. Which is not, to be clear, if anyone's tuning in for the first time, that is not a judgment. I also have ADHD. That is a, wow. (laughs) What a choice. It is not a judgment of ADHD. It's a judgment of Colleen. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) Well, Well, I think we would argue you can't. Yeah. Well, and and also, so if you, the listener, are somehow unfamiliar with Colleen Hoover, which she has been, like, number one top requested author for us to cover for a while now, she's she is a, a book talk sensation, as I said, and she started off self-publishing, which I think is how you can do that, is if you're just like, well, I'm in charge, and I'm writing it like this, yeah. and then somehow it gets hugely popular, and then you can't, and then your editor can't tell you shit, because you're like, I'm Colleen Hoover, and TikTok loves me. Even though I have weird, weird, weird book choices that I make. Yeah. This is this is also this whole book, the pacing on this book is bonkers. It yeah. is, it is, it makes I I am 
I am without words for how I thought for a little while that maybe the pacing felt bonkers because I was listening to it so quickly. But I listened mm-hmm. to a lot of books very quickly. And the pacing of this book is just wild. Yeah. This book, it reminded me a lot of another like online Wattpad sensation we read the kissing booth except for the Mm. kissing booth was like literally written by a welsh teenager who was still in high school when she wrote it Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's why like this doesn't read like you understand how money works and you don't understand how anything in america works because you weirdly set your book in a country you've never been to that's Mm -hmm. i thought about this but colleen is a 43 year old mother of three who's Lives in Texas, which is still part of America yep. in, in this day and age. And it, if you told me it was written by a Welsh teenager, that would make way more sense to me than <laughs> this reveal. That, like, no, she's just, like, a 43-year-old woman with ADHD. Yeah. Okay. We also love Beth Reekles because she listens to my other podcast, Harry Potter mm-hmm. and the Sacred Text. So... Beth Reekles, you're perfect. Colleen Hoover, who has never done anything for me personally. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, so this book, which I didn't realize until we started, is set largely in Boston. Uh Uh-huh. Which Which arguably um, Colleen Hoover has never been to. Yes. Yeah. That would be my. If I stole your comment, but boom. (laughs) That would be my guess is that, and here's. This is, I guess, I guess we'll just dive right into the book because my comment happens within like the first like five minutes of what I was listening to this book. When she, when she needs to get on the first flight out of Plethora, Maine to Boston. Yes. Okay. You don't, anywhere in Maine you would drive to Boston unless, I mean, I guess if she's like way up like on Canada's butt, but I don't, I doubt it. It just, it feels like more of a hassle in rural Maine if you are in the middle of rural Maine to find an airport than it does to drive. But I don't know. I don't live in rural Maine. I live in Boston. And here was the thing that made me go, I have to Google this immediately. So uh, the book starts with our protagonist, and this is a real name of a real character in a book, Lily Blossom Bloom. Lily Blossom Bloom. Who has just came come back from her hometown of Plethora, Maine, where she attended her father's funeral and embarrassed her mother by when she went up to deliver the eulogy for her recently deceased father, who was abusive towards her mother and towards Lily, Lily's whole life, does not give a eulogy, says, I'm going to list five good things about my father, and then doesn't say anything. And now she is on a rooftop in Boston because she likes to go up to random rooftops of buildings she doesn't live in that somehow she expensive apartment buildings that somehow she can get into and get to the roof of. Yeah, no, no key, no keypad, no doorman. Yeah. Just, Just going up there. Staring out into space and a very angry young man comes up to the roof and starts kicking a chair and like being very angry and taking his frustration out on the patio furniture. And then he lights a joint and she shocked that he is smoking a joint in a public place. So at this point, (laughs) at this point we know that they have smartphones 
And so my brain started doing some calculations and I was like, when can this book take place? Because if you were not aware, recreational use marijuana has been legal in Massachusetts for several years here. So I was like, I don't want to judge this like immediately, but I do need to Google when this book was written. And this book was written, this book was published the same year that recreational marijuana became legal in Massachusetts. So I will give her a little bit of credit, but also I have like, as my roommate pointed out, as we were discussing this, when I made them listen to this book, I'm so sorry, KL, it's their fault for driving in the car with me. Uh, (laughs) uh, You can't like cross, even in 2015, 2016, you can't cross Boston Common without walking through a huge cloud of pot smoke. <laughs> like Boston is not a place where it's weird, even pre-legalization for someone to pull a joint out in a public place. <laughs> so that was my first like, I wonder if this woman has ever been to Boston before moment. That's and- why everything's better in Boston, as we all say. <laughs> all the time. Is- and no, we all say bibs. We all say bibs. You can't you can't go to a gift shop without finding a magnet that says Boston. Everything's better in Boston. <laughs> I I've never heard that phrase before. I haven't either. And then I Googled it to be like, is this a thing? And all it is is people selling bootleg Colleen Hoover merch that says that. <laughs> I love that, like, apparently the city of Boston bribed Colleen Hoover to, like, talk us up. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They, I, you know, if this is where my tax dollars are going, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Boston is to Colleen Hoover fans as Forks, Washington is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's, there's a part later where she's asking a character who, before she's ever been to Boston, like, what makes Boston so great? And this character outlines the vaguest, mm-hmm. weirdest description of, like, any major city. <laughs> yeah, they have rooftops. People are proud of their city. It's better. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even mention the legal weed. <laughs> well, because I guess then it wasn't because he's in the past. Okay. So, okay. So the book is sort of in two different timelines because there's like the quote unquote present day of Lily in Boston as a 23 year old woman. But then she is nostalgically going back and reading her old diaries from when she was a teenager. Um, and these diaries she calls them her ellen diaries and the reason why is because these diaries are written as letters to ellen degenerous host of the ellen show (laughs) every every teen girl's favorite celebrity ellen so i would actually argue that this is two different novels it is Mm. it is the present day novel and then it is the ellen diaries novel right because it it has a totally different like set of plot points Absolutely. because she wrote them. Yeah. And the YA novel in the middle of this novel is better. Even though it's directed at Ellen and is like still batshit crazy, I would argue that the YA novel is the better novel. I would agree. And I'm sort of I was sort of relieved to find it because I- I'm a teen librarian and I've had this huge rush of teen girls coming in 
to the teen room being like, where's Colleen Hoover? And I'm like, um, she's in adult fiction. And also she's checked out and they all have wait lists, mm-hmm. but they would be in adult fiction. And then they've been surprised. And then I've been like, what the fuck? Why does everyone think Colleen Hoover writes teen fiction? And now I'm like, oh, I guess because she kind of does. <laughs> well, in her first book, Slammed, was technically yes. YA. And that's, but that's never the one they want. Oh, yeah. I'll well, tell you that. yeah, I'm sure that that is true. I have sadly read Slammed, but. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just kind of like broadly the plot of Adult Lily is that she's moved to Boston and has a lot of money but doesn't think she's rich but she clearly has a lot of money based on the fact that she's never actually worried about money not even when like her roommate abruptly moves out and she's gonna have to cover like the whole apartment's rent and like when she spontaneously buys a building dumb in a flower shop and is just like unconcerned and here's what i think could have been interesting is if like she had inherited money from her dead father and then been like but i don't know if i want to spend his money because he sucks but that's never mentioned we don't know where she has this money i think it's just sort of like well it is for the purpose of narrative she has enough money when she buys the flower shop though she does say it's her inheritance okay i guess i missed that yes um (laughs) but yeah so she she's on this rooftop she meets this boy named ryle this man Finds out that he's a doctor. They do this thing where they do naked truths back and forth to each other because they're strangers, where they tell each other broadly about their lives. And he mentions he's a neurosurgeon and he mentions he doesn't do relationships because he's a man in a not very good book. And mm. they and he never- works too much and he's too busy. Yes. And he's- um, you guys, he's tortured. And he's tortured. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And he... Uh, but he's weirdly attracted to her and he tells her like he never has relationships, but he does have one night stands. And she's like, I don't have one night stands. And he's like moments away from talking her into sleeping with him. But then he gets a call from the hospital where he works because he's a neurosurgeon in case you mm-hmm. missed that. Mm-hmm. And he has to go do surgery. So they're never going to meet again until Lily buys this building with the inheritance from her dead father and ends up needing help and a woman on the street is like oh my god i want a job i'll work for you and it just so happens that it's ryle's sister elisa whose name is spelled weird (laughs) yeah her name is spelled a l l y s a which is just not where you'd put those letters normally Uh, and Elisa's Ryle's sister, so she sees Ryle again, and they resume their flirtation, and then, like, they decide to get together because she's the one who's going to change him, and everything's great, and then one day, Ryle takes a casserole out of the oven without an oven mitt, and Lily laughs at him, and he gets so mad at her, he hits her. Yeah, and he burned his hands, and they're the hand. He doesn't have the hands of a crab man. No. He has the hands of a neurosurgeon. Yes. Who does important. <laughs> and if his hands are his livelihood, and if he burns them, it's terrible. He won't be able to do the important 18-hour surgery to separate two conjoined twins tomorrow that he is very excited to do yeah can i just say the 
there's a moment you skipped, and a part of me is grateful yeah. for it, but I do just want to pause for it. Oh, go which for is it. the first time that they have sex, he she does not want to. He lifts her and carries her to a room where there is a party happening. She says no many times, and then they still have sex that is written kind of consent, like as if it is consensual sex. So bad dude from the gate and like mixed messages as to whether the book knows it is signaling to us that he's a bad dude. Yes. Like representation is not, you know, the same as condoning a behavior, but I don't, the book is unclear as to whether or not it is condoning this seduction. Yes. And it's, it rankles. That's fair. That's fair. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, going no, to no, no, be a downer. No, no absolutely. Yes. Interrupt as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, we're at this point just trying to, I think, uh, move it along. We'll sketch yeah. out as much of the book as possible so that we can and start pouring go back. all of our ire into it. And so I was like, what kind of, what idiot grabs a casserole without an oven mitt? And then in the afterward, Colleen Hoover is like, by the way, my dad was abusive, and the first time I saw it happen was just like in the book. He tried to pull a casserole out without a hot pad, and then my mom laughed at him, and then he hit her. I was like, okay, Colleen, sorry. I'm sorry about that, but also, why? I Here's what I will say. What kind of idiot pulls a casserole out of the oven without an oven mitt? Many types of idiot would do something <laughs> like that. Mm, okay, no further comments. No further comments. <laughs> But were they to do that, I will say a casserole's heavy. So I've never gotten to the point of fully lifting it out because usually once my hand closes around it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm much more likely to grab a cookie sheet without an oven mitt and then lift that and then immediately realize what I've done and dropped it. I have never, however, then beat my partner because they were shocked that I did such a stupid thing. Because I'm not saying it's not a very stupid thing. I'm just <laughs> saying that, yeah, I got those scars. <laughs> oh, bud. Okay. She's okay. also wasted when she laughs, yeah. right? She's like not super sober when this happens. Yes, on vintage white wine. <laughs> Yeah, she. they keep just calling it vintage wine, which I'm not a big, like, wine person, but you, you wouldn't say vintage wine. You'd say, like, wine of the of vintage, vintage yeah. 1981 or whatever the fuck. But they yes. just keep calling it vintage wine as if they bought it at an antique store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you like this wine? It's vintage. <laughs> Here's a direct quote after he's apologizing for hitting her. Um, She says, no more wine. We're never allowed vintage wine again. (laughs) Okay. You can have new wine. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, at this point, this is sort of where the, the YA book and the regular, the adult book start to cross over because the YA book, as we said, is Letters to Ellen DeGeneres, a diary written as Letters to Ellen DeGeneres. And they are outlining the particular ones that she is rereading now as an adult are outlining a time when she was 15 years old when she noticed a boy was squatting in the abandoned house behind her house. 
and reached out to him to help him first by offering him some food and clothes and then by offering to let him shower at her house before her parents got home and then eventually by forming a friendship with him where he would hang out with her after school until her parents got home which then turned into a romantic relationship um you know all the while in the YA book we are getting some nice Wikipedia dumps about the issues with social services in the United States. Um, But this boy Atlas, which is his apparently actual legal name given to him at birth, you know, she's And and Lily, by the way, Lily is like, dear Ellen, do you think Atlas is a weird name? (laughs) (laughs) Dear Lily. Should I name my character differently? (laughs) But Ellen never got back to her, so she let her ride. So as she's reading these, she's wondering what happened to Atlas. We know something terrible happened at the end of her when she was, you know, 16 and she hasn't seen him since. We don't yet know what it is. But then she sees him again while out to dinner with Ryle and her mother at a fancy restaurant. Called Bibbs. Bibbs. And all of these old memories are churning up, but it shouldn't matter because she's with Ryle now. But he can tell something's wrong when the second time he sees her, she has had stitches and he he Atlas. Yeah, well, the second time Atlas sees Lily as an adult, her face is beaten up from where Ryle hit her after the casserole and Ryle's hand is all bandaged and he can tell because he was her confidant about her father's abuse when they were teens and he gives her his phone number to call her so she can call him if there's ever an emergency and then ryle finds it and can't believe after they've been married because they go to vegas on a whim on a whim and get married Mm -hmm. like you do like you do but they elope with family yes which uh, to me contradicts the desire to elope but god bless yeah because they just can't wait like they're just so in love they just cannot wait to be married a second later once they decide to do it also when atlas gives lily his phone number he also brings a gift that he's had for her for years that he's been waiting he's been hoping he would encounter her so he could give it to her and the gift is a signed copy of Ellen's memoir. Seriously, I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's a signed personalized copy. So you like he had a wait in line and an Ellen signing or something to uh, to get this. <laughs> and it's so thoughtful. Okay. By the way, the book is divided into parts, which maybe also is a symptom of ADHD. Part two begins with the the impromptu proposal. Yes. And Ryle hits Lily again and then explains that the reason that he's like this is because... And by the way, the first night that they met, Ryle is up on the patio and he's very mad. Like we mentioned, he's kicking around this chair that is marine grade polymer which is a phrase lily mentioned several times as if the book were sponsored by marine grade polymer sponsored by boston it's sponsored by marine grade polymer i'm gonna keep a list yes sponsored by the ellen degeneres show yeah sponsored by the concept of charity oh my god i can't wait till we get there i cannot wait it's my favorite 
<laughs> it's so good. Okay. But then the night that they meet and he's like so mad, he's destroying the marine grand polymer chair. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm in a bad mood because, you know, I it was had a surgery, but I couldn't save this child. And he was killed by an accidental gunshot. And can you imagine how terrible like that must feel? And Lily's like, yeah, that must be awful. And like, you know, the, the, the other child who shot him must feel awful because it's not really that kid's fault. It's the fault of whoever left the gun unlocked. Sponsored by gun safes, I think. Um, <laughs> but also sponsored by the NRA, right? Yeah, right. It's okay to have a gun. You just got to lock it. Exactly. And so Ryle's like, remember that night when we met and I was mad about the kid who died? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I was like extra mad because when I was six, I accidentally shot and killed my older brother, Emerson. And and that's why I'm like this. <laughs> and that's why I'm abusive. It is so insulting to people who have experienced trauma. Like, PTSD does not lead to you being abusive. No. Those two things are just, like, not connected. No. <laughs> oh, my God. This book's just so – it's such a mess. Anyway, the, the older brother that Ryle killed was named Emerson, which a name that will come it's back. It's the big crime. Yes, and also is the name of a major university in Boston. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, and the you know local writer. Also that, yep, yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, it. Oh my god! So after he reveals this to Lily, they're like, "Okay, well, we're not gonna. We'll work it out. I'm yeah. not leaving you." Yes, uh, and they come up with like this system or whatever, and then Lily, the flower shop that Lily has opened. Is listed as one of the. By best- the way, the flower shop that she's opening is called Lily's Blooms, and the concept for it is she's like it needs to be brave and bold. So like, what's the opposite of a flower shop? Oh, it's a flower shop for people who hate flowers. Mm-hmm. And Alisa's like, brilliant, a brilliant idea, a flower <laughs> shop for people who hate flowers. And I'm like, is it? And, and you know what? It is a brilliant idea because it is named one of the best new businesses in Boston. Yes. So what do I know? It's on the road. Imagine if it was in Maine, it wouldn't be bibs and amazing. Mm-mm-mm. This is both. It it is. So it's it's on this list, and the list comes out the same day that Elisa goes into labor. So everyone's at the hospital having a great time, and Ryle goes home and reads the article and sees that Bibbs, which is Atlas's restaurant, is also on the list. And in the article, he says that Bibbs stands for better in Boston. And he knows that Lily has a magnet on her fridge that says better in Boston. And it's a secret code between the two of them. And he gets drunk. And when Lily gets home, he beats the shit out of her. And by the way, sorry. And it's not only even that it says better in Boston. It's also that the newspaper has given Atlas an extremely long quote to talk about the name. And he's like, yeah, it's called better in Boston because um, this girl that really believed in me when no one else believed in me, like is sort of a, a joke between me and this girl, like better in Boston, da, da, da. And like talks at length about an unnamed girl in conjunction with better in Boston. Yes. So Ryle beats the shit out of her. He attempts to rape her, but then she passes out and he feels bad. So he stops and then he eventually falls asleep and she sneaks out and calls Atlas and is like, 
I need help. And Atlas takes her to the hospital where a doctor very casually announces to her that she's pregnant while listing some other issues that she's having. Yeah. He's like, normally we'd want to do a CT scan, but of course, since you're pregnant, we can. She's like, what? (laughs) By the way, speaking of being pregnant and being like, what? Earlier, Elisa, her whole trauma is like, I can't get pregnant. Like Lily's like, why do you want to work here? And Elisa is like, because I can't get pregnant, which is not a not a true answer, but it's like, I need to distract myself because I'm so sad I can't get pregnant. And then abruptly she does get pregnant, which is great. And then also she names her baby Riley, which is Ryle with an extra E because she loves her brother so much. Yes. Also, Elisa and her husband are her Elisa's husband made millions selling apps to Apple. So they live in the whole like penthouse floor of the building that she met Ryle on the top of way back when at the beginning of the book. So they're super I'm not gonna rich. lie though, the wealth porn is maybe my favorite part of this book. <laughs> the like uh, we have people for that yes. is yeah. the refrain of this character. And I'm like, dude, <sighs> I wish. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I want people for things. Yeah, Elisa's like a benevolent rich person. She donates to charity, guys. Yes. <laughs> Several. Several. Yes. And so then um Lily goes she's crashing with Atlas for a little while and meanwhile Ryle has conveniently gotten a 3-month fellowship or something in Cambridge, England. So he's like out of the picture for 3 months. Uh here's another detail that I think will make any service worker lose their mind. Atlas and his friends who all work at the restaurant, like they're like a sous chef and the like a valet parker or something like they all work at the restaurant. They have regular Friday night poker games. (laughs) If you work at a restaurant, you know what night you don't all get off is Friday night. (laughs) But okay, they do. So she meets them. She's like, wow, your friends are so nice. This is nice. And Atlas is like, when he when she first met Alice, he said he had a girlfriend, but it was a lie because he just he was embarrassed that she had a boyfriend or whatever. Um, but he can't be casual about Lily. He can only be like all in. So he's like, I'm happy to help you, but I can't just like casually see you. Bye. Only call me in emergencies. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to get back to my Friday night poker game and then back to my <laughs> successful restaurant later yeah so she avoids telling people she's pregnant because she feels like she needs to tell ryle first but she doesn't want to talk to him or see him and she finally tells elisa and confesses to elisa what happened and elisa's like oh my god like you have to leave him and she's so shocked because ryle's her brother and she when ryle comes back to america like he respects the distance she wants to put between them And as she gets further along in her pregnancy, she's considering letting him back in her life. But then the second that her baby is born and she hears it's a girl, she realizes she has to leave him forever because she can't do to her daughter what her mother did to her. And this cycle ends with us. Uh... Except it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And that is like. I know we'll get more into it, but oh my God, she allows Ryle to have custody, partial custody of their daughter. Yes. Now, how does the cycle end with them? I don't understand. They have like ascertained somehow that he is only going to be abusive in a 
in a partnership and not to their child. I like, I, has he been around a toddler? I don't understand. This is what drives me up the wall. And very specifically, he hasn't been around. She makes a specific point of saying, I have not seen him around a baby before, because even though Riley was born, yes, Riley was born, but then Ryle was in Cambridge. Yes. And there's a specific point where in the plot, in the narrative, Lily says that she's never seen him with an infant before. And yet is like, but you can hang out with my infant and it'll be fine. It'll be fine, even though I know you are monstrously abusive. Yes. And with no self-reflection on your abuse, you think it is a trauma's fault that you are abusive. Yes. I can't. And the she book- has had the example of her dad only hit her mom and not her, but she knows how harmful that was to her, I mean, but she wasn't physically hurt. And then he did also. That's not true. Yeah, her dad only hit her mom and not her until he, he hit her. And she yeah. Lost her. yeah. And, and hit, um, Atlas. Atlas. Yeah. Like nearly murdered Atlas. Yeah. yeah. So literally she saw that someone who claims to only hit their same age range people starts hitting younger people yeah yeah and i'm just gonna the last thing that i'm gonna say about the plot of the book is that of course it flashes forward three months and she's dropping this how we find out she's dropping her oh her fucking daughter who she named emerson dory Emerson Dory, who she calls Emmy Dory, after after Ryle's brother, sla- Ryle's brother slash the college slash the writer, and Dory Ellen's character from Finding Nemo. This book brought to you by Pixar. Um, <laughs> because fi- um, Finding Nemo was an important movie to Atlas and Lily when they were teens, and after she drops her daughter off with her abusive ex-husband for his custody weekend. She sees Atlas on the street and runs up to him and says like, I'm ready to start a relationship with you now. And that's how the book ends. So now that we've covered the book, we can go back and talk about every fucking bonkers thing that happened. I mean, we can't talk about every bonkers thing (laughs) because we simply don't have time. We can talk about our favorites. And then also... It is, like, insane the way that Ryle is upset about the, like, magnet and shit with Atlas. But not in his defense. But she sure does name their daughter after something with her ex-boyfriend. Which is fucked up. Yeah. It's... The whole situation is very... I... mm, Uh... Imagine naming your child as a shout out to an ex-boyfriend. But also more importantly, a shout out to Ellen. Yeah. (laughs) Brought to you by NBC. Okay, one thing that really gets me throughout this, and we've alluded to it, but we haven't explicitly said how obsessed Lily is with the concept of charity. Because, by the way, her dad was the mayor of Plethora, Maine. No big deal. But he was the mayor and he was like a successful businessman or whatever. Um, But he was selfish and he didn't like charity, any charity. And meanwhile, Lily has seen how charity did nothing for Atlas, but she likes the idea of charity. And so when she meets a rich person like Elisa, she's like, do you donate to charity? And Elisa's like, yes, several. And Lily's like, thank God you're a good person. Which, by the way, a lot of rich people donate to charity just for the tax write-off, but Lily doesn't know that, I guess. 
Also, like, what charity? Do you know yes, what it takes to exactly. become a 501c3 in this country? Mm-hmm. Like, sh- they could be they could be donating to the Nazi party. Like, yeah. it, she never, it, she doesn't have a specific cause. Like, no. you would think it might be domestic violence. You would think it might be, like. Homelessness. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's just any charity. Yeah. Charity. Do you donate to a 501c3? <laughs> okay. That's fine. Is it the NRA? Great. I'm happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> I, oh, there's, there's so many things I need to say about this book. The charity thing is wild and it it is directly related back to a part in the Ellen Diaries where she says to Atlas in her her youth like well why don't you like do this why don't you do that and then that's the point where Atlas basically as we mentioned goes through what is essentially like a Wikipedia relay of all of the issues with social services in the United States and says that he's going to join the military once he graduates high school so that you know he can try to pull himself up by his bootstraps as it were pull himself up by his bib straps his bib straps Mm. and at at which point which is maybe my favorite unintentionally hilarious line in the entire book lily says to him how could you serve a country that has like failed you so spectacularly and fucking outlet says it's not my country's fault that my mother doesn't give a shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I I made, as I said, I, I made my roommate listen to parts of this and we were like driving because we we're driving to the Sexy Orchid show last night and it got to that part and I just, I could not stop laughing out loud at the absurdity of this whole situation that I find myself in regularly reading these books <laughs> and having yeah. to absorb them into my brain. He also, the military is how he solves his problem, right? He joins the military and that is what financially pulls him out of this situation. And so I don't think she read the whole Wikipedia article about <laughs> social services. I think you're right. <laughs> Like, I actually kind of like his PSA about homelessness. I'm like, right? Like, it's a progressive moment of the book where it's yeah. like, you can actually work really hard and fall through the cracks. And yeah. and the cracks are actually abysses. But like, then it just por- doesn't It's poorly written, through. but it's useful. Yeah. It, and like, I, you know, you're picturing someone who has worked their butt off and doesn't necessarily spend a ton of time thinking about this. I was like, do you know what? This is like pretty informative. Great. But then the book doesn't live up to that be- because it essentially says that the biggest social service in the United States is the Marines. Yes. <laughs> and all you have to do is go to war and everything will be fine. Oh, my God. And also oh just the way. So there's this moment of like him and, you know, I, I agree that I, I think that it is, like, a thing that more people need to know, but just also just the way it's done in the fucking book. Like, it is oh, one awful. of the only moments where his experience of homelessness is treated with any compassion. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, yeah. she, adult Lily, throws around, and this is me using the the phrasing of the book, that she, like, lost her virginity to a homeless man yes like oh my god all like multiple times just throws that casually around instead of treating the subject with any compassion whatsoever and it it just is it is uh, my brain wants to explode with how you can 
read the Wikipedia article <laughs> about issues with the social services systems in the United States and then write quite callously. Write this. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, and like, with the way this fucking country loves a rags to riches, like, look at people who are doing it on their own. So we're using this to reinforce the fact that people are responsible for their own fates and all the other people experiencing homelessness that you meet are lazy because this person could make good that we that narrative that we fucking love in this country when he's fucking his restaurant is listed in best boston 2016 or whatever instead of trying to turn the article into that story which you know they would have you know oh, yeah if it was an oh, actual yeah. article they would have been like oh like as a teenager homeless for bibs you know atlas corgan <laughs> was homeless but now he has this fancy restaurant with a tree growing in the middle of it they they spend paragraphs talking about how it's called better in Boston because some some girl he knew and he was I just sorry I have a lot of feelings about this apparently yeah well also that that the military is a way out of homelessness rather than bad veteran care yeah. and PTSD being yeah. one of the causes of homelessness yes. in this country. Yes. Yeah. Because like Ryle is abusive because he has PTSD. So let's go to the good man, Atlas, who is nice because he was in the military for eight years. Yeah. Okay. Also, speaking of the tree, when Atlas is a teen, he carves a heart for Lily out of a branch from a tree. And is but it's I had to Google this because I couldn't quite picture what she was describing for some reason. It's pretty simple, but I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. Is it's a heart, but the it doesn't connect at the top and that was really meaningful her for her that he carved her this fucked up heart and then she got a tattoo of it which she says the tattoo is about the size of her thumbnail which anyway that's pretty small i mean that's about Um, the size of my skull tattoo it's pretty small yeah anyway so i googled it and you know that other people have gotten this tattoo in tribute to this book which I mean, I mean, like, get whatever you want. It's your body. Get whatever tattoo you want. But I just feel like in a couple years, you're going to be like, uh-oh, my Colleen Hoover tattoo. Uh-oh. <laughs> Didn't so well. Yeah. And I mean, I say this as someone with, like, a failed Sanrio character on my body forever, which I will never regret. I love him forever. <laughs> but uh, this? This? So a couple, like, really hot off the presses, like a month ago, there was an announcement that there was going to be an It Ends With Us coloring book. And then people were like, that's not appropriate. Like, this is a book about (laughs) and homelessness and abuse. I want to color the casserole dish. (laughs) (laughs) I want to color the stew as he pushes her down. Just so bad. Oh, the the po- marine grade polymer shingers. Anyway, I want to color the steampunk bouquet. <laughs> you know that is probably what was actually in there. Um, but it got pulled. Colleen Hoover was like, "Oops, my bad." Oh my god. Oh my god. Was, I guarantee you, the heart was one of the things that oh, you could for color. Sure. Oh my god! And it wouldn't be that hard. Never got released. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Does anybody have any other like little notes to pull out before we move into dramatic readings? I have one. I mean, I could fucking keep going, but this this is a petty thing that kind of took over part of our drive home from the Orchid Show last night. Is at one point in the Ellen Diary section, the power goes out. Oh, ironic! 
the power went out at my house last night. Um, Ooh, spooky. And Atlas is like, oh, you have a gas stove. Like, I'm going to make cookies for you. And makes cookies. And then her father comes home early. So he has to run. And he tells her they've been making out for a few minutes since he put the cookies in the oven. And then she he tells her as he's leaving the cookies will come out in 20 minutes. These are cookies <laughs> that it took over 20 minutes to bake. What temperature was he baking them on? Like, what? Well, how big are the cookies? Like, maybe it was a sheet pan of cookies. I, Even then, it doesn't take that no. long. <laughs> well, also, she's impressed when he makes the cookies because he doesn't use measuring cups. He just eyeballs it, which I feel like is fine for cooking food but baking is usually pretty precise so yeah yep like i feel like if you are a person like there are certain things that i bake that i can more or less eyeball but if you are a person who is currently experiencing homelessness without access to a kitchen and who is not it's it's been a minute since you bake yeah like i feel like that's not i don't know maybe people who bake more than me i mean i do bake probably more but yeah, it's fucking wild. It, yeah, I just- love that point. And I'm a baker, and I did not pick up on it. That's freaking brilliant. I was. I love it. So mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was so mad about it. <laughs> yeah, you also just need to like be getting up and looking. Also, the fact that he's so confident about the precision of the 20 minutes. Let's say that that's like ballpark a reasonable amount of time, but you still tell someone like check on them in 20 minutes and if they have this kind of bottom then they're ready but anyway i almost made my roommate open the google doc and put that note in it because i was afraid that i would forget it by the time i got home but guess what i didn't because i'm yeah no (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's my last really important important point about this book (laughs) i love it I just thought about the It Ends With Us cookbook that she could release. No. <laughs> the 20-minute cookie recipe. And the, oh, the, no. The one cookie. <laughs> okay. So now it's time for our dramatic readings. And our first one is towards the beginning when Lily has been, like, lurking on the rooftop for a little while. And, um has been encountered by ryle and they've already been talking for a little while at this point um and for this i will be ryle and kate will be lily what's another great mystery of boston your name as soon as i say it i slap my hand against my forehead it sounded so much like a cheesy pickup line the only thing i can do is laugh at myself he smiles it's ryle ryle kincaid I sigh, sinking into myself. That's a really great name. Why do you sound sad about it? Because I'd give anything for a great name. You don't like the name Lily? My last name is Bloom. He's quiet. I can feel him trying to hold back his pity. I know it's awful. It's the name of a two-year-old little girl, not a 23-year-old woman. A two-year-old girl will have the same name no matter how old she gets. Names aren't something we eventually grow out of, Lily Bloom. 
unfortunately for me. But what makes it even worse is that I absolutely love gardening. I love flowers, plants, growing things. It's my passion. It's always been my dream to open a florist shop, but I'm afraid if I did, people wouldn't think my desire was authentic. They would think I was trying to capitalize off my name and that being a florist (laughs) isn't really my dream job. Maybe so, but what's that matter? It doesn't, I suppose. Lily blooms. I can see him smiling a little bit. It really is a great name for a florist, but I have a master's degree in business. I'd be downgrading, don't you think? I work for the biggest marketing firm in Boston. Owning your own business isn't downgrading. Unless it flops. Unless it flops. So what's your middle name, Lily Bloom? I groan, which makes him perk up. You mean it gets worse? I drop my head in my hands and nod. Rose? Worse. Violet? I wish. I cringe and then mutter, Blossom. Ayo! Oh boy. All right, and then our next dramatic reading is taking you back to the Ellen Diaries, and Vanessa will take her turn as Lily, and Kate will be Atlas. I'm signed up to go to the Marines come May, so I'm just trying to hang in until then. May is six months away, Ellen. Six. I had tears in my eyes when he finished telling me all that. I asked him why he didn't just ask someone if they could help him. He said he tried, but it's harder for an adult than a kid famously sorry and he's already 18 he said someone gave him a number for some shelters who might help him there were three shelters in a 20 mile radius of our town but two of them were for battered women (laughs) sorry yeah battered women get too many services in america let's talk about it what about the what about the white men who aren't battered (laughs) The other one was uh, was a homeless shelter, but they only had a few beds, and it was too far away for him to walk there if he wanted to get to school every day. Plus, you have to wait in a long line to try to get a bed. He said he tried once, but he felt safer in that old house than he did at a shelter. Sigh. Like the naive girl I am when it comes to situations like this, I said, but aren't there other options? Can't you just tell the school counselor what your mom did? He shook his head and said he's too old for foster care. He's 18, so his mother can't get into trouble for not allowing him to go back home. He said he called about getting food stamps last week, but he didn't have a ride or money to get to his appointment. Not to mention he doesn't have a car, so he can't very well find a job. He said he's been looking, though. After he leaves my house in the afternoons, he goes and applies at places, but he doesn't have an address or a phone number to put down on the applications, so that makes it harder for him. I swear, Ellen, every question I threw at him, he had an answer for. It's like he's tried everything not to be stuck in the situation he's in, but there isn't enough help out there for people like him. I got so mad at his whole situation. I told him he was crazy for wanting to go into the military. I wasn't so much whispering when I said, why in the heck would you want to serve a country that has allowed you to end up in this kind of situation? You know what he said next, Ellen? His eyes grew sad and he said, it's not this country's fault. My mother doesn't give a shit about me. Then he reached up and turned off my lamp. Good night, Lily. He said, Mic drop from Atlas. 
All right. And our last dramatic reading is a scene from Lily Bloom's Evil Flower Shot for people who hate flowers. <laughs> and I'll be Lily and Kate will be Alisa. What are you doing to those poor flowers? I clamp another silver washer closed and slide it down the stem. Steampunk. We both stand back and admire the bouquet. At least, I hope she's looking at it with admiration. It turned out better than I thought it would. I used florist dip dye to turn some white roses a deep purple. Then I decorated the stems with different steampunk elements, like tiny metal washers and gears, and even super glued a small clock to the brown leather strap that's holding the bouquet together. Steampunk? It's a trend. Kind of a subgenre of fiction, but it's catching on in other areas. Art. Music. I turn around and smile, holding up the bouquet. And now, flowers. Elisa takes the flowers from me and holds them up in front of her. They're so weird. I love them so much. She hugs them. Can I have them? I pull them away from her. No, they're a grand opening display. Not for sale. I take the flowers from her and grab the vase I made yesterday. I found a pair of old button-up women's boots at a flea market last week. They reminded me of the steampunk style, and the boots are actually where I got the idea for the flowers. I washed the boots last week, dried them, and then super glued pieces of metal to them. Once I brushed them with Mod Podge, I was able to line the inside with a vase to hold water for the flowers. Alisa? I'm pretty sure this is exactly what I was supposed to do with my life. Steampunk? I laugh and spin around. Create! Okay. <laughs> I, w- I will say my roommate who I was listening to this with, uh, this was the point where they were like, <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so while you were doing your dramatic reading, I Wikipedia searched steampunk. And one of the lines in the dialogue is the first line of the Wikipedia article. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. <laughs> That's the greatest uh, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Steampunk is a subgenre. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I uh, I wasn't reading along with you, but I inadvertently was. <laughs> this is my, a few years ago, probably in 2016, the year this book came out, my dad got obsessed with the idea of steampunk, and he would just, like, take pictures of random like roadside junk or whatever and be like is this steampunk and he thought it was like the funniest thing in the world to my dad so i i think he and colleen hoover are weirdly on the same page yeah okay now it's time for reader's advisory where we suggest some things to read instead of or in addition to colleen hoover um we'll have a whole list on the website worstbestsellers.com um, but honestly, like, I think if you genuinely love Colleen Hoover and want more books like her, you're just going on book talk and reading whatever thing they're telling you to read. So you don't actually need us for that. I have some suggestions. Oh, great. Do it. Yeah. Tell us. I mean, the big one that I would say that is a bestseller right now, but is excellent is Lessons in Chemistry. It is also about a woman like trying to figure out how to exist in patriarchy and deal with abusive men. But it's it's well written and well thought through. Well written and that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, it'll scratch a similar itch, I think. I just read a spell of good things by Ayobami Adebayo, mm-hmm. which 
I think is probably going to be too literary for the average Colleen Hoover fan, not to be an asshole, but um, it it was good. It's it's she's a Nigerian author. It's set in contemporary Nigeria, but it deals similarly with themes of like generational trauma and domestic violence, but in a more compelling and sensitive way. Mm-hmm. So again, if you like Colleen Hoover, you might not like a spell of good things. Uh, and as we have just discovered, if you like Colleen Hoover, you might enjoy reading about things on Wikipedia. <laughs> you also might enjoy some coloring books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might enjoy steampunk. <laughs> All right. Um, so again, we'll have that on our website, westbrosellers.com. And for now, let's just move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Vanessa will choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. <laughs> okay. All right. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would have been a teacher at Lily and Atlas's school who notices Atlas's problems and offers to let him stay with him until graduation. And that makes Atlas and Lily able to keep in touch and uh, keep the the promise of their future relationship alive and well and uh, neatly sidesteps the entire Ryle issue altogether. It's the HEA of my YA romance version of this yes. book. <laughs> I love that. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he he wouldn't change the story too much, but I think he would stop into Lily Lily Bloom's flowers because he hates flowers and he's like, finally, a flower shop for me. A person <laughs> hates flowers. <laughs> and he would buy a steampunk bouquet for his boyfriend Hercules. Mm, but other that. than that, the book is the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely choose The Rock because that makes it the book that I want it to be, which is the YA novel. Excellent. Where yeah. and then in that version, Atlas never goes to the military, mm-hmm. and the two of them go to college and figure it out together. They're two crazy kids who can make it work in this wild world. Excellent. And you know what? Maybe Lily still opens a flower shop for people who don't like flowers and Wolverine can still buy a steampunk bouquet for Hercules. I absolutely think that that's the the true happily ever after. Yes. Yes. Everyone wins. Okay. Combo. Great. Now it's time for Duarte's Corner again, where my cat Duarte shares his opinions about the book. Dorothe, I know, I know. There were many, many problems with this. I do think that if Atlas had had a cat when he was experiencing homelessness, like that would have been nice for Atlas. But you know, then what? He's going to take the cat to the military. I, I think it's best <laughs> if the cat stays out of it. You know. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is one story where so many awful things are happening all the time that I wouldn't want to subject a cat to that. Mm-mm. Absolutely. I I think that it's responsible of him to not get a cat until later in his life. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Um, But I do agree that instead of finding Nemo, maybe they could have they could have watched the Aristocats. That could have been their thing. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Uh, All right. Duarte, thanks as ever for sharing your thoughts about the book. Do any humans have any closing thoughts about this book? This wasn't a good book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I 
like I'm fascinated by the kinds of people who I I will say this about this book. I like I read it so fast, right? Like yes, it was, it was weirdly compelling. Yeah, it's super compelling. And then the other thing that I like is that it does get into the psychology a little bit, and I think pretty well of why someone stays in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. longer than they ever thought that they would. Um, and it never holds Lily in any sort of contempt for staying in the relationship, right? Like there are things about the book that I think ring true in some like wise ways. Yeah. I just think I will- overall it's trash. Overall, it's not a good book. I will say, like, I had read a lot of, like, moral hand-wringing about, like, oh, this book glorifies domestic violence, da 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 And then so when I read it, I was like, mm, not, as, not as bad as I thought it would no, be, you know? Definitely not. Um, and, I, and I think especially with the author's note about Colleen having experienced this as a child, I do think she's coming at it from a good place. It's yeah. just she's not maybe the best equipped to write so sensitively. Yes. She yes. tried. She definitely tried. I think that's she, right. She tried. Um, okay. Well, if you want to come talk to us online about how Colleen Hoover tried, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller spelled normally. And we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because Atlas needed the S for Bibbs Restaurant. Yeah. yeah. It was nice of you guys to donate that to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we support charity, so (laughs) (laughs) all charity. (laughs) You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where you find podcasts. And if you do find us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, you don't have an opportunity to be listed on the best in Boston list. And uh, you know, that best podcast reviewer in Boston is a great title that you probably want to be in the running for. Mm-hmm. And if you do, <laughs> yes, if you do rate and review us, we will send you a steampunk bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> offer, offer not binding. <laughs> Please read the fine print on that offer. <laughs> we also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you provide a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to it's do kind things. Of like, it's kind of like charity. It's kind of like charity. <laughs> it makes you a good person. Yes, it makes you a good person to be able to fund Renata and I to go to Boonesboro. Um, and, but also keep our website running and and keep our equipment up to date. Uh, and in return, you get perks like postcards and stickers in the mail and a special uh, mini podcast episode about what we're listening to and watching and reading uh, when we're not doing this podcast. We also have merch available, which you can access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, where you can find all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, we have a Discord server, uh, which is also linked at worstbestsellers.com, where you can join other listeners of the show and chatting about basically literally anything you want, including, I guess, a steampunk bouquet. Steampunk bouquet. We should make shirts that say podcasts are better in Boston. Uh, but we don't yet. But anyway, um, finally, if you want just me personally, I'm online at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you're looking for me personally, I'm at 14 across. And Vanessa, where are you at? I'm at Vanessa M. Zoltan on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find our podcast, Hot and Bothered, live from Pemberley, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Oh, right. Uh, Vanessa, thanks so much for joining us and for um, sharing sharing your Wikipedia expertise. Anytime. <laughs> I will yeah. read Wikipedia aloud to you anytime. <laughs> it was a true delight. Thank yes. you so much for having me on, y'all. I'm really grateful. Yes. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we will be back in two weeks with Corinne by Rebecca Morrow. Is she Stephanie Meyer? No, I don't think so. But we'll talk about that in two weeks. Bye. <laughs> I love that book. <laughs> Listen, it, we don't always talk about bad books. <laughs> about Ellen DeGeneres' DeGeneres' why did I put this in here?